0: Now once again with today's Carolina Newsmakers here's Don Curtis.
1: We're back with Carolina Newsmakers. Uh our guest is Tom Campbell who just ended a 22-year run with North Carolina Spin, a a uh, political program that was on the UNC TV, uh, now NC uh, PBS NC. Uh, yes, a new name uh for public broadcasting in North Carolina, but anyway, uh Tom did that program for 22 years. And those of you who might not be familiar with the program, Tom had two, uh, a panel of four people, two from the uh, conservative viewpoint and two from the liberal point. It, the panel changed from from time to time to give some different perspective, but always it was very interesting and just a great program. And I, I'm sorry the program has ended. And, uh, but, uh, it was a. Uh, it made many contributions to the success of our state. Well, Tom, that's exactly one of the things I want to turn to in this this segment, because uh, we have uh, a very interesting situation in North Carolina, where uh, clearly North Carolina is one of the most purple states you're ever going to see. Not only is the uh, uh, if you take poll after poll after poll and ask people whether they're liberal or conservative, that ends up being sort of purple. If you ask about political parties and, of course, the very high number of people who are now registering unaffiliated, which means that they're not buying into the uh, the uh, political philosophies of either the Democrats or the Republicans, remaining uh, open to consider uh, both views, I guess. So... This is creating sort of an interesting situation, not only here in North Carolina, and I wanna focus on that first, and then we'll turn to the national situation because uh, on the national situation, it looks like we're in an era where the uh, Democrats are uh, maybe uh, being put in a position to put forward a very liberal candidate and the Republicans a very conservative candidate. In fact, the middle of the country uh, looks at uh, both sides and says, wait a minute, we're, we're someone representing my view. So, <laughs> so so let's start with the state. Where, where do you see the uh, political uh, horizon in North Carolina as far as the future of the Democratic and the Republican Party? I, 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 I
0: follow the State Board of Elections registration numbers fairly closely. If you look at it, um, by the way, when I first started covering, uh, this will tell you how things have changed and how old I am. When I first started covering politics, there were three registered Democrats to every one uh, registered Republican uh, in the state. I'll never forget uh, the chairman of the the Pitt County Republican Party, where I grew up, said he could hold a Republican County convention in the phone booth across from the courthouse uh, anytime he wanted to. (laughs) Uh, But it has changed dramatically. Right this moment, we have 35 percent of the more than 7 million registered voters in our state uh, are registered as Democrats. 33%, and by the way, the the only and fastest growing uh, category is unaffiliated voters. 31% now are Republicans, which has dropped down from where it once was. Um, I think the unaffiliated voters are essentially saying uh, to, to those in politics, We don't like either party, like you were saying a few minutes ago. We're not crazy about the agenda that's being advocated by the left, and we're not crazy about the agenda that's being advocated by the right. Uh, By the way, I do think it is very, very interesting to note um, that since uh, the start of this year, there have been more than 7,000 registered Republicans. I think that's the correct number. It was 5,000 several weeks ago but close to 7,000 registered Republicans that have changed their affiliation since that time. They're, they're, not, they're still going to vote. They just are going to ch- vote as unaffiliated. Now, uh, let's be very clear about that. These people still have their affinities. They're, if they were Republicans before, they probably are still going to go into the, the voting booth and probably lean a little center-right in candidates, uh, just as those who were formerly Democrats will probably go in and lean a little toward center left. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a great commentary on where we are today. I think there are a couple of things that uh, come to my mind as issues that that should be addressed. Uh, the one is that we make it nigh under impossible for people who are unaffiliated to be able to run for and get elected to public office in North Carolina. The archaic process that we have is that uh, if you're an unaffiliated uh, candidate, you've got to go out and get a petition drive, get voter names on a petition drive. Uh, Don't hold me strictly to this, but I think that um, based on the last election, if you're running a statewide election as an unaffiliated candidate, you got to get something like eighty thousand people to sign a petition for you to be able to to run uh, unaffiliated statewide. Uh, now, why is that? Well, it, it, the simple reason is obviously the two political parties don't want you to be able to run as an unaffiliated. Uh, we might start seeing uh, a rash of unaffiliated elected officers across the state and uh they don't want that they like having the dominance uh, that they now have uh it kind of forces candidates uh to to choose uh for instance i am an unaffiliated candidate should i choose which by the way my wife says that she will have me incarcerated if i decide to do that should i choose to run for political office uh The only way I have any chance of winning that office is either to declare as a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, And I'm unaffiliated because I don't want to belong to either of the parties right now. You're forcing me to probably make that choice. So I think we need to um, loosen the ballot restrictions for unaffiliated candidates uh, to be able to run. The political climate in North Carolina uh, is as divisive. You talk about we're a purple state, but the political climate is as divisive as I think it's ever been. If you go east of 995, most of the counties you enc- encounter down there, with the exception of some pockets like around Greenville, where you've got East Carolina University and the medical school, uh, most of the counties are red and they're very red and they're strongly uh, Republican leaning. Uh, If you go into the urban areas, Wake County, uh, you stand a pretty good chance of running and getting elected in Wake County as a Democrat, not as a Republican. The same is true in Charlotte and Mecklenburg County, Winston-Salem and Forsyth and Greensboro uh, and Guilford County. Uh, So we're seeing a division uh, of the state with the more urban, more uh, metropolitan areas turning blue and the more rural areas turning red. Now, the numbers there are problematic from the standpoint of where is the population growth taking place in this state? It's taking place in these urban and suburban uh, counties that are increasingly blue so uh, and, and democratic uh, leaning. So I think that the political climate in North Carolina is is... As you say, if you look at the last election, golly, uh, people were predicting this blue wave. In fact, I was part of your uh, election returns uh, on WPTF that night, and it started out looking like there was going to be a blue wave in North Carolina, and we we're going to see the election of a lot of Democrats. I don't think there's any way to uh, describe what happened uh, as to say uh, that it was a great night for Republicans. It was a great election for Republicans across our state. More county commissions are, are dominated by Republicans. Uh, more city councils, uh, except in urban areas, by Republicans. Uh, our Council of State still has a plurality of people uh, who are Republicans, and uh, the legislature uh, is certainly controlled by Republicans. So um, it's an anomaly that we have a Democratic uh, governor and a Republican-controlled legislature. Uh, I'm not so sure people are upset about that. I think they kind of like uh, the, the fact that no one party, no one group, is dominating everything that takes place in the state. Uh, and I see this probably continuing on uh, for some period of time. I think that um, politics has become a blood sport. Uh, I think most of us hate that. I think we would like to see uh, a return to times. Gosh, I can remember when I first started working for Harlan Bowles uh, as uh, assistant state treasurer, and uh, we'd go to these legislative receptions uh, that uh, so many of these trade and professional groups would sponsor while the legislature was in session. And it was not uncommon at all to see Republicans and Democrats standing beside each other with their arms around each other, having a drink and talking a lot of business, talking a lot of politics. What do you think about this bill that's coming up? Uh, What are the problems you see with it? What are the advantages you see with it? And and some give and take. And a lot of times that discussion ended up in committee and changes were made and compromise, as you were talking about before, uh, ended up by happening. Uh, They don't talk to each other anymore. And I think that's sad. Uh, I think it's detrimental to the future of North Carolina. We got some big issues in this state. We're doing better than an awful lot of states. We are grow, we're still growing pretty rapidly. Uh, and there are a lot of great things going on in North Carolina. None the least of which, by the way, is the fact that our legislature wisely set aside these rainy day funds and these reserve funds uh, so that now we're not like a lot of other states that are just desperate, gasping for air, trying to figure out, how they're gonna pay their employees. We're, we're financially in very, very good shape uh, due to the, the prudence of, of our legislature, but we still got some very, very big problems that we need to address. Education is one of them. Uh, don't get me, st- in fact, I'd like to talk uh, in the next segment perhaps about the governance of education in North Carolina, but uh, it would be us to have people who learned to work together uh, instead of standing on different corners of the room shouting at each other.
1: You've got about two minutes now to talk about uh, the future of the Democratic and Republican Party nationally. national.
0: Well, I, I think uh, Democrats have got to decide who they are. Both the parties are, are pretty uh, factionalized. Uh, you've got the really progressive wing of the Democratic Party, uh, a more moderate wing of the Democratic Party, and then uh, a more conservative wing. They are by far in the minority. Uh, I think Democrats have got to figure out what their message is and, and got to, to, to settle on it. I think as long as Donald Trump is running the Republican Party, uh, they're in for hard times ahead. I just, I don't see um, Trump uh, and the Republican Party, a Trump-led Republican Party, I don't see it winning national elections uh, that much in the future. I I think he is uh, so bombastic, so off the page that there, a lot of my Republican friends, uh, one of our joint friends, Bob Orr, uh, who's been a lifelong Republican, 46 years, left the Republican Party this year. He said, I just can't stomach uh, what Donald Trump did to my party. Uh, And it's the old adage you might remember back in the Sixties and seventies, where Democrats were bailing out on the Democratic Party, and they say, "I didn't leave the Democratic Party; they left me." Uh, I think Republicans, a lot of Republicans, are saying that now.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting to watch, and of course, uh, you know, every seat in Congress will be up in uh, less than less than two years, and one third of the Senate, so uh, things could change radically in just two years on the on the uh, national level, and the uh, the margins in both the House and the Senate, are kind of razor thin. So it would be interesting to watch that. Well, we have one more final segment coming up with our guest, Tom Campbell. And uh, we will do that uh, in just a moment. And as Tom suggested, we want to look at uh, uh, the point that he brought up. Also, we want to talk about the media and how it's uh, uh, evolving as far as how it's covering the news these days. We're going to do that when we return with the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers.
0: and he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them but i think in reality he just wanted to get out of there um i was really starting to worry because i saw something was wrong
1: levi and i talked about how it would change our lives but he was there beside me and my love for him was just immense when something feels different it could be alzheimer's now is the time to talk Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke.
0: Your blood pressure numbers could change your life.
1: A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak.
0: Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I am going to make it better. I'm uh, Coming back, ask your
1: doctor, check your blood pressure.
0: Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don
1: Curtis. We're back on the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Tom Campbell. Reminder, for those of you who are listening to the 30-minute version of this program, uh, if you'd like to hear the two segments that you missed, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and get those additional two segments. Or for all of you who would like to share this broadcast, uh, you can share it with friends or repeat it for your own edification uh, because the entire broadcast is there. Our guest this week is Tom Campbell, who is the uh, uh, executive producer and moderator of North Carolina Spin for 22 years, and uh, has been a longtime friend of mine, and uh, we have been in the broadcasting business for a long time, and I want to open up that, uh, Tom, talking about uh, how the media landscape has changed and how that is affecting the state of North Carolina. For years, uh, newspapers, especially daily newspapers, had a really important position as far as when they shared their opinions on the opinion page and also shared more news than they are sharing. Now uh, this news void is uh, sort of interesting because I don't think I've ever seen a period of time where the average person has uh, at his disposal or her disposal information, uh, to which they can form opinions. Uh, they don't have the background on issues that, uh, uh, are so important to us all. Uh, what do you see happening there, Tom? As, and where is the replacement for the, the, uh, the daily newspaper's role? Uh, Don, y- you've asked probably one of the more important
0: questions uh, in our state right now. Um, Thomas Jefferson said that we could depend on people uh, to uphold a democracy uh, so long as they were well informed, uh, and, and could, uh, would, would therefore make good decisions. Uh, I really mourn the loss, uh, of our newspapers. You and I both competed against local newspapers, uh, in our small town broadcasting careers throughout the years, uh, and the newspaper was the dominant news and advertising force in, in most communities. Um, and it's sad to see exactly what's happened uh, to newspapers. I think some of it is their own fault. Uh, frankly, I think as as times got tight, as revenues started getting squeezed, they started laying off their news reporters. Uh, I told John Drescher when he was a publisher for uh, the News and Observer in in Raleigh, I said, John, you, you need to understand one thing. I don't subscribe to the News and Observer give me international news. I don't subscribe to the News & Observer to tell me national news. I subscribe to the News & Observer because I want you to tell me local and state news. And and what you're doing is increasingly filling your pages with stuff that you're getting off Associated Press and uh, news coverages that are coming from your national organization and so forth like that. When what I want to know is what did the legislature do yesterday? I want to know, what is my city council doing? And you've just about forsaken uh, that franchise. And uh, he said, you know, when I first started as publisher of the News and Observer, we had something like 140 people uh, in our newsroom. Uh, And he said, today it's something like 60. Uh, And so he said, there's just no way in the world that these people can cover all of these things because the economics just aren't there. Uh, I recognize that. I worry also about uh, social media from the standpoint that uh, in in social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it may happen to be, uh, nobody is vetting these stories. Nobody is actually fact checking these stories. So as a result, uh, you can put in there anything that you want to put in on Facebook or uh, Twitter or any of these other social media sites. You can say anything you want to and, and get away with it. And if you say it long enough and loud enough, you can get a lot of people to believe it. I think that's one of the problems that we saw in this last election was the lie that kept getting repeated over and over and over again that the election was rigged, that it was stolen, that it was unfair. Uh, and again, enough people repeated it and said it enough to the point where a large number of folks believed it. So I have very real concerns about that. I think that by by and large, CBS, NBC, and 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 ABC still do a pretty credible job of delivering news. Uh, I watch Lester Holt uh, just about every night uh, because if it comes on NBC News. Uh, it's been vetted by at least two people before the story actually goes on the air. Uh, now, cable news networks uh, are a big misnomer, by the way. They're not really news networks. They're opinion networks. And unfortunately, they try to disguise it as as news. Uh, and And perhaps maybe they fool a lot of people into believing that. Uh, they're not really news. They're opinion pieces. And, and the folks like Uh, Rachel Maddow and and uh, uh, all of the Fox News commentators and so they're 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 stars they're they're media personalities they're not news people per se in the majority of cases so I do worry about uh, what's going to happen I think there's a great place for radio here Uh, you and I both come from a background where our stations did cover local events and local news and and, and I think there's a good place uh, for radio there. However, uh, in the majority of cases, we've seen the same thing happen with radio that we're seeing uh, with these cable networks in that uh, predominantly, and it, it's especially true on AM radio, uh, it's turned into political talk shows. Uh, there There is usually some factual basis To some of the things that are being discussed, but there's also an awful lot of opinion, and sadly, um, it it takes a very discerning, uh, a a very uh, interested person to determine the difference between opinion and fact. And uh, so, I worry about the news business. I was part of a conversation uh, several weeks ago with a, a number of people, predominantly old newspaper people, who were talking about how do we uh, begin some alternatives, some some new kind of media voices. Um, and, and in fact, I chastised them a little bit because all of it was uh, print designed, print oriented. And I said, folks, you need to understand that in today's time, particularly with the Generation X and the Generation Y and the, the millennials, if you want to talk to those people, there's got to be an audio component. There's got to be an audio and video component component. That's what they want to see. That's what they want to hear. And uh, any news that you're planning to try to present to them, uh, you got to do it uh,
1: both audio and video. Uh, But I worry about the future of news. Well, one of the things that happens, and you see this more often on the cable news networks than you do ABC, CBS, and NBC, as far as national situation, is having too much time. Because what happens is you begin to Overcover a story and you look for a particular angle, I, I always go back to the tragic death of John Kennedy's uh, flight that uh, ended his life. And one of the networks was so desperate for news, they found his fifth grade teacher. And and, and the fifth grade teacher said that John Kennedy Jr. made uh, paper airplanes Yeah, in the fifth grade. I mean, yeah. you know, they were so desperate for news, they were going. If that had something to do with, yeah, yeah, and so one of the things that happens, uh, and this also happens, particularly with all news radio, all news or all talk radio, as well as uh, the cable networks, you've got too much time, and so you begin to fill it with things that uh, uh, do begin to involve opinion, uh, because that's the only place you can go after the news is covered. I mean, once and we need you covered. Need to- you covered.
0: We need to remember that this is a business too. Uh, these folks on these cable news networks depend on having eyeballs uh, and ears uh, in order to be able to sell advertising on their networks, and uh, they live and die by what is commonly known in the business as AQH, average quarter-hour audience. Uh, and And in order to make more money than you made before, your your AQH has got to be higher this next quarter hour than it was the last quarter hour. Now, what do you do to do that? You have to become more sensationalized. You have to to somehow or another, like you were saying, find an angle, which really maybe doesn't even make any sense, but you're going to have to do something to get those eyeballs, more eyeballs watching you so you can sell more advertising dollars. And at the end of the day, this is a big, big business. I was interested by the way, in in seeing a report uh, come out, because, you know, Fox News has been the leader in audiences uh, for many, many years uh, uh, so far as cable news networks are concerned. MSNBC has overtaken them now. Uh, The most watched uh, cable news program now is Rachel Maddow's show on MSNBC at nine o'clock. Now, that fluctuates around a little bit, but it's interesting to see, I think it shows a little bit about where America is right
1: now. And of course, on a local level, the main interest is in rapes, robberies, murders, and crime. And that uh, uh, puts the local stations in a position of not having enough time to cover state issues, county issues, and state issues, as well as national issues. Rape, robberies, and crime. Yeah, it bleeds, it leads. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, uh, You know, there's never been anything as researched as uh, local television interests. It is highly researched, and the uh, stations know exactly what the listeners want to see, and guess what? They respond to it, and they put it on. Yep. In fact, it's over-researched, I think. No question about it. Uh, Of course, uh, that can be said about a lot of things. Well, uh, I I I remember this old newspaper editor in Wilson
0: where I used to live and work, And I was talking to him about news one day and he stuck his big fist out uh, uh, to me and pointed at me. And he said, the news is by God, what I tell people the news is. Uh, And more times than not, he
1: was right. We certainly appreciate you sharing time with us. Tom Campbell, the uh, moderator for the long running program, North Carolina spin. Uh, If you, uh, We'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast. You can go online to carolinadeesemakers.com and hear that. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he will have another interesting guest for us next week on this same group of stations all across North Carolina. So until next week, on the same group of stations, as we said, I hope that you and yours have a great week.